Welcome back to School of Calisthenics. It's Tim and Jacko back with another podcast. And this week we have got Harriet Frew on. And I was excited before we start, and I'm even more excited now. This one is well worth 45 minutes of your time. Tell them, Jacko, what we spoke about. We spoke, we spoke about, Spock, we spoke about um, some of the um, mental health issues around body image. Um, Harriet's got a wealth of um, experience and expertise in this area, worked with a number of clients, um, and she delves into some of the psychology behind some of our behaviours. Um, we talk about a number of different scenarios, some of which are me and Tim sharing our own vulnerabilities and insecurities um, in almost like a counselling session, but as well as various different parts of um, our journey ourselves and our lives, and then also some other scenarios that you will probably be able to um, relate to on some level and hopefully take away some positive messages that you'll be able to put into place and get some help if you need to, but also just make some changes positively in your life to improve um, basically, as Harriet says at the end, like your your happiness, but your your self-confidence, your self-worth, how you view your body and yourself. Yeah, as Harriet says at the beginning of the intro, it's obviously something that everybody has some perception or some understanding of. We all have a body and we all have an image of what it what yeah. it's about. And the interesting thing for me was, again, listening to her, her talk about the fitness industry, potential crossovers, things that we find as those of us that are involved in health and fitness, the things that we can be exposed to and how to manage them. So there's, there's absolutely tons in this one. It's one I think I'll probably go back and listen to again. And it was great to get Harriet on. Um, and she's also part of the virtual classroom, which is a great, um, a great little addition because she's training calisthenics herself. And the thing that she mentions at the end is that she likes having fun which is what it's all about and makes you happy. So sit back, relax and enjoy Harriet Frew on the Scorecast Next podcast. Hit the jingle. Harriet, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, hi, thanks for having me on. Thank you. So just for all the listeners, Harriet is um, from rethinkyourbody.co.uk and is a counsellor, a diploma of eating disorders, has a master's in nutrition, works as a full-time job in the uh, adult eating disorder service at the NHS, which in the UK is our national health service. Um, you are doing a lot of stuff. Uh, how do you, how do you fit all that in? Um, yeah. And have I missed anything? <laughs> is there any other uh, strings to your bow? <laughs> Calisthenics enthusiasts as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, at the moment, the NHS is like my main kind of role. And I just kind of do bits of like private work, um, you know, probably about once a month or something. So like, you know, yeah. sometimes I do a training, sometimes I do like a breakthrough day with a client. But I haven't got like a really busy private clinic at the moment. Um, my, my main job okay. is the NHS right now. Well, I'm sure that'll take off after this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously you talk a lot about, uh, you know, people every day about um, eating disorders and helping people with those. We've, um, and, and, and the body image side of that, we, uh, me and Tim, of anyone that's listened to some of the podcasts and read some of the blogs, that we are, um, we like to try and bring this topic to the to the surface in that we've ourselves in the past have experienced this almost trap in training where we, we focus so much on um how we look and, we, and what we're trying to do with calisthenics and we felt through our own training of calisthenics just by chance that we noticed that when we were trying to train for a movement like a handstand or a human flag 
our focus shifted and it was more about what we could do with our bodies rather than um, how our bodies looked. And we found that we found that mentally free, not to say that we still don't have our own insecurities, but it's something that um, we were super excited to get um, yourself on as, as an expert to talk in a little bit more detail about about this. And we really hope for the listeners that... Um, that, we, that you could people everyone at some point is we feel on this continuum um and that they can take something positive away for how they can move their their own self-confident self-image um forward as a result of as of as a result of the discussion okay yep great so let's set the scene, Harriet, a little bit and give the give a bit of context around why we're having this discussion. What is what are the issues that we're seeing and, and the sort of the um, what's going on with body image in in 2019? Uh, well, I think there's kind of greater pressure than ever on people in terms of how they look. Um, you know, obviously, so much pressure from social media. Um, if you watch television, um, people are always kind of slim, um, well turned out, sort of attractive. Um, I think we're sort of bombarded by all angles, really. And I think, you know, particularly in our culture as well, um, we, we really get the message from very young that to kind of feel good about yourself and to be kind of likable, attractive, popular, that you kind of need to be thin, you need to kind of look good. Um, and I think those messages, you know, we get them from so young, really. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. There's, a, there's an article that I saw, I'm sure you've, you've, you've seen, a very short one that came out on the BBC, I think a week or so ago, around how obesity at sort of seven years old is linked to emotional issues at 11. Um, it, it, I noticed when, when some of the, the sort of the information that we've we discussed before we started was around um, often these things coming from, from quite an early age and, and the history. And, and is it something that, that can often be carried with us through lifetime or through our lives um, as children or are we all susceptible to it because of this social media landscape of being completely bombarded or are we all are we all carrying something from from somewhere early doors yeah i mean i think we're all susceptible and i think really what's quite helpful is to think actually usually below poor body image is actually kind of feelings of not feeling quite good enough you know in some way we feel we're not quite good enough and I guess from such a young age we get a lot of messages from our culture that kind of tell us well to feel good enough you need to kind of look good and be thin and then you'll kind of be likable you then you'll be accepted so I think anyone that has low self-esteem is much more vulnerable to developing issues with body image and I guess that kind of starts from really really young so it could be even from in your family, maybe if you felt a bit different or that you didn't fit in, it could be at school where you didn't feel that you perhaps quite fitted into a friendship group. It could be down to having a lot of expectations on you from family or teachers. Um, it could be all kinds of things, really. But I guess I kind of think really it's anyone with low self-esteem could develop a number of different mental health issues. But I think in our culture, with all the pressure on how you look, it's so easy for that to go in a body image direction and to think, oh, well, to feel good mm -hmm. enough, you know, well, if I just lose weight or I look really good, then I'm going to be much more likable and feel better about myself. Yeah. yeah, I think there's a fine line. So I was talking to someone yesterday that, um, that we were talking about how, like, often people that achieve quite um, amazing things sometimes have... Um, it can often be driven by some insecurities they have about themselves or whatever. And that, that this, as you were talking then, it reminded me of that. Of, and I was just thinking that there's, there's a bit, there's a fine line and it's different for everybody, I guess, that sometimes 
little insecurities that we have can help motivate us to like make a really positive change in life or they could actually tip us the other way and I guess there's so much that potentially affects that around you know who is around us what our support network is like and I know that your approach looking at the like the psychology behind these issues is is an important um part to that I mean how big a role does does that does does that play so in terms of like when I would work with a client, you mean? Or just, uh, well, or just somebody where um, just that fine line between something spurring, something being motivating or it go, or, or tipping yeah, in the wrong direction. Yeah, I mean, direction. I think it is such a fine line. I think it's, it's so interesting because I think before I had my three children, I really thought, um, oh, it's all about how you nurture them. You know, it's all, of, you know, coming from that counsellor. Yeah, yeah. um, and then actually you know, I can actually just see like um, genetically they're three very different people and they respond very differently to their environment. So I think it's such yeah. a complex interplay really because I think for some people, yeah, they can go through an experience and it can actually really, yeah, make them more resilient and can give them kind of more drive. Actually, uh, they can, a lot of benefits can actually come out, come from something. And whereas from other people that can be different. And I think it's quite complex, you know, sometimes to tease out what that is. Um, and I think another thing I'm thinking is I think there's a fine line in a way between being kind of driven and like a high achiever and then being a perfectionist as well. Like I think sometimes when you go into that perfectionist zone, um, sometimes I say with clients, that's in a way when it becomes quite damaging for your mental health. But it doesn't mean yeah. that you just have to kind of like give up and do nothing you can still kind of achieve and, but it's, it, there is a fine line. I guess everybody's kind of got to find themselves in a way, kind of learn where that is really, um, you know, so yeah. they can like look after the mental well-being. I think that's a great point because um, it makes me think about the importance of self-awareness for people and, and having that understanding of starting to go, when am I tipping a little bit too far? Like I'm guilty of yeah. that, of losing perspective of not being happy with the way that I look. Um, probably because I have some perfectionist tendencies, it's probably fair to say, Um, and striving to consistently always be as good as I can be. And and because the perfectionism comes through, then that definitely resonates with me. And and I think the important bit is about to try and to, for somebody to try and maintain perspective of the bigger picture, because it's so easy to get like rooted down. And what do I look like in the mirror? And if you're constantly driving and pushing to be a certain way, then that, that can become quite a it's a rut isn't it that people tend to get stuck in Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah no absolutely um and I think I think as well like but the example there you say like looking in the mirror I think when you kind of get into that zone where you become so focused on whatever it is that you're doing you start to do more and more behaviors that actually make it worse you know for example like looking in the mirror more often or you know like some of my clients look in the mirror multiple times a day and then of course you're collecting a load of evidence which probably isn't going to make you happy Because one of the things I think is really that I've found over the years is that years of training and and looking different and training different ways and that sort of thing. But I have a few years ago realized that before I look in the mirror, I feel like I've already made a decision about what I'm going to see. So if I've trained for the last two weeks, I'm going to look in the mirror and go flipping looking great. (laughs) If I haven't trained for two weeks, I'm going to look in the mirror and I've already decided I don't look good. And my my wife, I like say to Cara, my wife, like, I don't feel that good. She goes, you look exactly the same, but I don't see that. Is, Is that, 
is that sort of a, we then feed our own insecurities don't yeah we? we feed our own insecurities and I think I think the whole tricky thing is if you work you know like in sport or like you know I sort of think of like ballet dancers I work with or jockeys or anything or bodybuilders ex-bodybuilders sometimes are like the really the worst when, when you've like started to pay more attention to your physique in a way you you know mm. you're starting to you you know you're, I guess you're kind of looking at the world in a slightly more distorted way because you're focusing too much attention maybe on that one thing mm. and we can do it with all kinds of things you know um it doesn't just have to be body image but once you do that you kind of you're looking more in the mirror and then you probably as well you would look at the bits that you're not so happy with yeah. um you might start yeah. to compare yourself more and then in a way you create more kind of thoughts then around your body which then if they're negative thoughts can like produce more negative feelings and you get kind of caught in that mm. destructive loop yeah and I, I guess it's yeah and I, it, I guess it's it's interesting when you said it then about it almost like being a, a you've a learned behavior or, or a taught behavior that you've taught yourself it reminded me of I've this is probably quite bad but I've not on purpose I've taught it to my my wife so before we were together she we'd or when we first started going out many many moons ago we'd like be walking down the street and I'd go jeez you see that guy's biceps because obviously I was like into training and I would notice for whatever I'd like taught myself to notice if someone had big arms or big shot or whatever she'd be like who what are you on about like just completely like off off her radar not even noticing it at all we'd be there we could walk past some massive dude now and she'd be like crikey look at the size of him like it was almost like I've taught her and is there some like do we almost train our yeah do we train our eye for it in a weird yeah, way I, mean, I think we've all got a distorted view of reality but sometimes our distorted view can be quite positive you know like you have sort of people that are optimists or pessimists yeah. or whatever but i guess yeah. if you um like one one of the, the lead eating disorder um professors in this field he sort of talks about almost having you like your distorted body image sunglasses on you know so if you've trained yeah. yourself to look at the world like that you'll always be like looking at you'll always be comparing yourself you'll always be looking in the mirror you might be weighing yourself you might be you know you're doing all those behaviors all the time and then obviously getting back information that then kind of confirms your reality and then you do it even more yeah um uh, uh, so yeah is there any psychology between really the link psychology. of how we continually compare because like you mentioned before about social media and, and we're all on it we're all engaged in it and because we're in fitness and health we tend to follow people that are also in the same space and we we, we, we like you say we almost can't um, get away from it and like jacko says we've trained ourselves so if i watch a film when it's got hugh jackman in it i'm like i'm going what, what do you mean about the film hugh jackman is massive <laughs> like, and, yeah you know, the sorts of things that we we then sort of go well, i'm not as big as hugh jackman um is there some is there something around that 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 like how healthy is that is that is that a psychological thing about constantly wanting to compare and seeing other people as overachieving and doing better than we are I think as well, it's, a, it's about awareness, isn't it? Because I think in a way, we're all, it's a human, it's a natural kind of human being behavior that we, we do compare ourselves to others. And I guess we're kind of doing that all the time, aren't we? We're kind of, you know, we are social animals. We want to kind of see how we kind of rank. Um, but I think a lot of it is just, it's just becoming more aware because of, I think, really what we're often doing when you're looking at someone who perhaps got an amazing physique in a way you, you might almost be like putting them on a pedestal and almost assuming that they have all these attributes mm. and you know and I guess what quite a helpful thing is to, to realize I mean I, I think I find for myself sometimes like you know I might see someone who's way ahead in fitness compared to me but then I kind of think actually 
for me, what's really important is my mental well-being is probably more important than having like a six-pack yeah. or being able to do that. Or and and I kind of root myself quite firmly every day. I suppose we're just kind of thinking, you know, other things are more important. Mm. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, and I want to be as strong, and that that is one of my values. But that's only like one segment of the pie chart. Yeah. And um and I think you know yeah. obviously to be really like superhuman with your body you have to devote a lot of time to it and that's great but also that there, there are costs to that as well you have to be willing to give up other areas of your life um and I guess you know just because someone's looking amazing there will have been other costs as well mm. and I guess that, that, that's quite helpful just to kind of keep that perspective We'd like to interrupt this broadcast today to bring you a customer service announcement and we want to tell you how excited we are about the virtual classroom where our online community of amazing people are working together to redefine their impossible and achieve things in calisthenics that they never thought they would be able to, Jacko. Yeah, if you've not thought about it yet, you should really consider uh, becoming a member of the virtual classroom. You become part of that supportive community and you then get access to absolutely every single training program we've got, every workout we do, every challenge, every webinar, and there is specific courses in there for everything from beginners to, to handstands and human flags and everything in between you get access to all of it you get to learn at your own pace online with us within the supportive community of people encouraging each other to redefine their impossible guys it's really something special we would love it if you come and check it out and until you do check it out and we see you in there let's get back to our regularly scheduled program yeah i think there's also something in the the fitness space I guess currently is it's probably always been there that um, how someone how someone's body looks is a reflection of how healthy they are rather than actually I could make a lot of you know there's more to health than just what you eat mm. so what's my sleep what's my mental health what's my, you know what's my relationships all everything that makes up that holistic um, approach but even if we just dialed into the nutrition I can make um, some unhealthy nutritional choices mm. that aren't going to aesthetically change, you know, potentially change how I look negatively. And therefore, just because I might look a certain way, I have a certain level of, of body fat, essentially, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm, I'm actually healthy. And yeah, the thing with the thing with, you know, you mentioned six pack earlier, any of these, however we look now, at some point in our lives, as we get older, we ain't going to look like that I anymore. I think you might book that train. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, be, but I'll still be, I'll be a hell of a lot wrinklier. <laughs> but Joey, we're not going to look like that. Yeah, and at some point, it's true. It's, as someone said this, it's the, the, the one and only stat that we know is true. One out of, you know, one in one, we're all going to die as well. Yeah. Like, I don't, that's not like negative, but just, and as we get close to that, things are going to change. And so we must, I just think, I, and it's, it's only come out of through, uh, more and more dialogue that me and Tim have had about this stuff and then occasionally spoken to other guests and people about it that I start to try to encourage myself to just get more and more comfortable with one day Jacko you won't have a six pack one day you won't be able to do a flag and like that needs to be an oh you need to be okay mentally with that day um, and that that for me personally is a little bit then more freeing around how I am now and actually what I 
I'm trying to do but fail on a relatively uh, consistent basis is make my choice lifestyle and nutrition um, choices more about um, how healthy that is going to be for me you know inside as much as it is um, on the outside and um, I guess I'd just encourage anyone to come on that journey with me if you're listening. Mm. Well, I think really, I think that's really helpful attitude. Because I, I guess, well, I've kind of worked with people who um, have been in the bodybuilding industry and like, you know, done all those competitions and stuff. And I think, yeah. um, I'm not saying this is true for everyone that does that, but I know, you know, I've worked with um, people who aesthetically have looked what people might term as amazing or kind of, you know, have a really a very desirable body, but there have been such awful, severe costs to you know achieve that and also not just for the competition but really ongoing mental health costs and and disordered relationship with food um yeah i guess and the really sad thing about that um is when people embark on like i say it's not it's not not the case for everyone Mm. but someone that that's happened to is when they embarked on that journey at the start it was all with good intentions about making themselves feel better probably and they, they didn't know what was mm. what was sort of going to come because of that yeah well definitely i mean um, I, I think all of us with if you if you follow like a strict diet and um become deprive yourself a lot of food and and do a lot of you know intensive exercise anyone can be vulnerable to developing disordered eating or body image concerns and we sort of know that from starvation studies um there's something called the i don't know if you've heard of the minnesota starvation experiment it was done in the 1950s and healthy adults males were starved and um, and they developed many of the symptoms that we would associate with eating disorders um, and um, mm. and they weren't they weren't exposed to like all the body image stuff we're exposed to today. You know they were kind of mentally healthy when they went into the experiment. So it just shows the power of starvation, really being restrictive. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, there's a question, Harriet, around. Obviously, you're dealing with um, from your NHS role and some of the work that you're doing. You, you could be working with someone who's anorexic or who's got bulimia. Those are often things that we've got a, a a label for, for want of a better word, that's a conditioned and diagnosable. Um, at, the, at the opposite end of the spectrum, we have addiction, like Jacka was referring mm. to before about people who are um, super sort of like strict on their diet. They've got exactly what they need. It's weighed out. There's, there's no real freedom around that. And potentially also pairing that with a, a, an intensive training strategy. One of those is deemed as healthy. One of those is deemed as as being like as having a, as I say, a medical condition, uh, what's the difference in terms of it? That, that's all psychology there to a certain point mapped with behaviors. Um, if you, I just, I haven't really got a question other than just what are your thoughts around that sort of spectrum and, and linking to what Jacko said about what is healthy and how we socially deem that to be healthy or unhealthy. Mm. Does that at all make sense? Yeah, no, no. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, th- I mean, I think it is a continuum, isn't it? Which we're, which we're all on, you know, because I think sometimes people think as well, oh, well, I, I haven't got anorexia, bulimia or binge eating, so I must be fine. But I guess if you are kind of preoccupied with food a lot, if you feel very anxious when you can't follow your routine, if you feel like you have to exercise or you feel you don't feel good enough, if you feel like you're having to avoid social events because of your eating, um, you know, if you just feel like um, perhaps you have to hide away when you're not as kind of fit as you should be looking, you know, I guess all those things are kind of indicators that maybe your relationship with um, food and body image isn't quite perhaps as healthy as it could be. Yeah. 
Great. So in terms of, sort of where we where people go from that, if anyone's listening to that, and I can definitely, this is not a, you lot need to listen to this. This is, oh, there's so much that you've already said that I'm like, that is me in a nutshell, or at least phases of my life that I've been through. And um, one of the things we'll touch on, I think Jack will probably pick up on it a bit, is around um, how calisthenics potentially and our, our mindset around that has, has helped us to change. Um, if, if anyone's sort of sat there thinking, like, I can recognize a few of these characteristics in myself, how do they go about sort of taking some positive proactive action? Because it has to come a point for most people where we might not be at that extreme level where it's, it's really sort of having a damaging effect, but we're going to have to put the brakes on because we had a conversation um, last week uh, on the podcast with Phil Lurney about progressive overload and actually to, to improve positive change is all about small steps. We do that in training each week. We try and do a little bit more force or a little bit more training or whatever to try and get a positive adaptation. But I'm assuming that, that, in terms of when it comes um, an eating disorder or something about body image, that's also a progressive overload. No one just all of a sudden decides one day that they are going to be super neurotic about food well, in, in then, some way or another. Yeah, but then your the personality types, I was talking about this with, with Catherine, my wife, that um, you are the type of person that could go, I'm just not going to do X anymore. You know, there's some yeah, people give up yeah, smoking, yeah one cigarette a day for 40 days or whatever but then there's some people that just go cold mm. turkey um, but anyway yeah I did that once I just went I'm not even carbs one day to the next <laughs> <haven't I?"> <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I, and so the cancelling begins <laughs> yeah lie down Tim <laughs> um, yeah so sorry I forgot the question I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the point of like this, this progressive overload, know, of, you were saying, like, yeah. how does it sort of, do we just, how do we put the brakes on? Because there's come on a point where we go and we're actually yeah. moving towards positive behavior is, is really good yeah. and getting more structured around eating is positive, but there's going to become a tipping point where you're going, okay, we need to find some balance here. And it's quite easy once yeah. you're over that tipping point to just slide down to the bottom of this, of the seesaw and be in a, in a, in a bit of a bad place. I've been there myself before. Yeah. And you were asking, your question was around like advice if you're nervous, yeah. if yeah. you yeah. feel that actually crack out probably. Step one is even like just to see initially if you could start to make a few changes yourself, really, you know, before you, you mm. perhaps were seeking professional help, just to see if you could maybe, if you actually could just start to reduce some of those behaviours. And I guess if you could almost just tolerate the anxiety of doing that, and I guess hopefully yeah. as well experience the benefits of, so I guess in a way often um, if people do start to say, if they've been overtraining and they reduce their training, suddenly they have more time for other things or their relationships can improve and they can, you know, they can experience the positive benefit of doing that. And that's enough to almost make the shift. Um, mm. I mean, I think sometimes if you are really stuck, it can be helpful to go and speak to someone. Because I think particularly if you have, you know, if it feels really like it's almost impossible to stop, it's such a preoccupation, it produces almost so much anxiety, the thought of stopping. Um, I guess often that sometimes is rooted in something a bit deeper. I mean, not necessarily anything traumatic, but, you know, it could be something that could just be worth bringing into like awareness, exploring that a bit more. Um, and also, I suppose, just having the support of someone um, in trying to reduce some of those behaviours. Because sometimes it can be quite hard to do that on your own, but if you're kind of accountable and you've got someone supporting you and doing that, it can make it a bit easier. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you talked about people being on on the continuum, it made me think of, like, often we just like reflect on ourselves, don't we? And I was just thinking of how, like, certainly for me, being being on that continuum, where I am on that continuum can vary, like, throughout a day, and certainly from day to day, week to week, month to month, and actually 
um, there's certain circumstances yeah. that will bring out different aspects of that. So if I'm uh, classic for me is very simple. Like if I'm at home with my wife and we're going to eat together, which if we're there, we pretty much will eat the same thing. She will make something um, that's very healthy from the making sure we're healthy on the inside point of view. And I will eat that with her. If I'm left on my own because she's gone out somewhere, the chances of me making a slightly different, um, <laughs> which could range from <laughs> anything to yeah stuff that I shouldn't have, um, then is that's it's more it's it's the circumstance and what's around me makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I guess is would I be right? In, would sometimes some of your advice be for people? Tim talked a little bit about self awareness before, yeah. almost taking that up a notch to sort of awareness and um, not sort of predicting the future, but literally knowing. We'll go, okay, I know that on Thursday night I'm going to be in this situation. Normally, that's when I behave like X. So what I'm going to do is put some things in place. Is that the type of? Is that because yeah. I guess the advice for everyone is not everyone's going to listen to this. Is going to be at like right at the far end of an extreme, but there's. Yeah. They're on. They, they they can feel that. Yeah, there's. Uh, I can make some positive changes. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think awareness is really key, and it could sometimes as well. It could just even be helpful just to kind of keep a little diary or like you know jot down kind of just almost just like a kind of mood diary really just noticing yeah. how your mood is and because I guess like you're, like you're saying for everybody there could be certain triggers that could sort of set you yes, off. That's, yes, that's um, the right word. And yeah. it can often be as well. I think. Often things get put onto body image, but often it's not always about body image. The trigger could be something, a situation that perhaps makes you feel a bit inadequate or is like yeah. sort of wobbled you emotionally. And then in a way, it's quite a subconscious thing. It can be like, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take control of my body and, you know, focus on that. And that will kind of make it better. And that's not a kind of conscious link often. Um, yeah. But it's starting to just realize a bit almost, you know, like I would say to someone in a way, if you're having a bad body image day probably really is not that much about body image it's you know it's almost thinking okay mm. what else has been going on what's been going on in your relationships yeah. how you've been feeling at work you know it, it's probably about quite a lot more than the body and the, the body might have been the kind of trigger thing but you know you know on the surface yeah. thing um and i guess journaling journaling is a good yeah. way for you to reflect back to yourself upon that and uh, one thing i just wanted to before just moving on to a little bit of um how calisthenics can potentially or we how we felt it can potentially um help with some of this is just that um some of the examples we've used is about um you know for us it we might we're at the point where we don't want to get like fat as a we don't want to put on excess weight because that's going to affect our training and 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 how we look but if i it doesn't it comes and, and, and somebody looking in the mirror, like as Tim's example, sometimes he will look in the mirror and see someone that's much more skinny and not as muscular as him and that the, the body dysmorphia going both ways. Like I had a, just my own opposite of what I just mentioned about me going and eating something that's, that's going to make me put on weight. When I was younger playing rugby I was very light and I was always trying to put on weight and I was at a stage where I was trying to get to a certain value a certain weight in kilograms and um, I had an unhealthy obsession but partly because we were weighed mm. every day at training and I would also come home and weigh myself a number of times during the day my wife would say like what is the matter with you why are you standing on the scales again and if I dropped under 92 kilos I would have like 
not a panic attack, but I turned to go and eat something because <laughs> I didn't want to be light. Do you know what I mean? It was, yeah. the, it was, it was the other way. Um, and that it's just, I guess, sometimes I, I just wanted to open up the conversation being around like it, it could actually be in any sort yeah, of direction. It could be in any direction. I think it just shows well, perhaps the unhelpful thing of, of, of the behaviour of, of just like weighing oneself or, or like or it could be like body checking, but doing a behaviour like that. I mean, I guess you've actually had two for rugby and... But, you know, but I suppose it's, in a way you're putting more focus on the scales than would be ideal for good mental health. But, so in a yeah, way you're creating exactly. a lot more thoughts than around weight, aren't you? So then you're going to be thinking, yes. and I mean, we have, I don't know how they work this out, but you have like 60,000 thoughts a day and many of those are repetitive. So if you're getting on the scales quite right. a few times a day, you know, you're suddenly yeah. creating a lot of thoughts, aren't you, around weight. So then you're going to have probably yeah. a more dissatisfaction. Is there any sort of trends, and it's probably a difficult question to answer in that you probably see all people from all different sorts of scenarios, but do you see any sort of like trends or stereotypes, particularly between men and women in terms of the this, this sorts of, do we, do, are we now in a place where we're having very much the same sort of issues? And I think one thing that has been a huge positive in, in our lifetime is that mental health is right on the table now and we can talk about it. Um, so a lot of men are probably coming out who have previously held a lot of stuff back and, and not sort of uh, want to talk about it so are we seeing are we seeing everything because also the same thing is that fitness has changed and health has changed a lot so so women are engaging in different forms of fitness and, it, and you can literally do anything that you want so this this it's such a wide spectrum now is there any sort of difference between men and women in terms of of eating disorders and, and body image um i mean i think men generalization men often come for it more down the exercise route maybe an over exercise and women you know particularly historically it was more about being thin um i think mm. the clean eating movement across men and women hasn't been particularly helpful you know when it's been taken to the extreme and we got a lot more people um coming into clinic now that have kind of gone down the clean eating route rather than like um a diet a traditional diet yeah um so that's an interesting point because the industry will celebrate like this this term of clean eating as seeing a positive thing but that's actually a lot of those people are finding their way into into clinics with you guys which is which is really interesting yeah and i think just sort of picking up as well on the whole thing about one thing we really encourage is um not to have like good foods and bad foods and you know obviously we want to promote health but actually it shouldn't be that like eating a chocolate bar or a cake has become like this awful kind of sin that you have to feel ashamed of. Mm. And, you know, actually healthy eating is about also being able to eat those foods in moderation and to enjoy them. And food is about kind of pleasure. And, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be just about, it shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't be so black and white. Yeah. I think that it makes me think of um, something I've talked about before around, um, that giving like labeling things good and bad, like totally give you. And actually you, you mentioned um, earlier on about um, sort of saying, if you, you know, if you, if you restrict something, you know, say I'm never going to have like X or whatever, then it makes, again, it probably becomes one of those, a, a number of those 60,000 thoughts in a day. And then it, but you're making an issue out of it, but also the same, at the same time, the whole scenario of interesting in, in your thoughts and the scenario that we, will often reward ourselves with a type of food that is actually really not good for us. But we, in the, in the fact that we almost like treat ourselves like, I say treats, treat ourselves like a dog and you know, mm. how we'd give a dog a treat. Um, and I just, it, 
the psychology of like what is the, what is the, what's behind the psychology of that or is the you know what what's your take from a from a professional point of view on that well i think just with all the messages we get in the media and stuff it, it foods are very much labeled as good and bad aren't they and i think there's so many yeah. people at any one time that are trying to kind of diet and trying to lose weight but probably doing it in an overly strict way so in a way food becomes like the foods that are forbidden or bad become so kind of seductive and special and the thing you look forward to. And, you know, so many of our yeah. clients in a way that I guess they've kind of, they've lost touch in a way with like really taking care of themselves in more, in kind of much more deeper fulfilling ways because they've become so preoccupied with food. It's almost like yeah. when they finally allow themselves to eat or have that kind of treat or whatever it's become, it's so special and it's so kind of built up. Mm. Whereas, you know, we really encourage clients just to kind of, in a way, you know, eat, eat everything in moderation. Because actually, if you don't deprive yourself of things, actually, it doesn't become so special anyway. You won't, it won't become yeah. something that you're always thinking about or chasing after. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to go off the top of my head and I haven't thought yeah. this through how it's going to come across. Oh, but it sounds exciting. Well, <laughs> it's a part of the fitness industry, isn't it? Like some of the stuff that you're talking about is we have a cheat day. Yeah. Like where you're going to you're going to basically restrict yourself all week on a Saturday, flipping open the doors and let's go. Like, but that, but that, that is, again, it's encouraging sort of what is actually not... Yeah, a repetitive massively, cycle yeah, yeah. also. And you look forward to it, so you, you sort of like that's clean eating for one time and this my terminology is what I was worried about when I, would when I opened this can of worms but we're going to eat clean all week and then Saturday comes and it's pizzas and ice cream and, and whatever else which like you say let's not categorise those as bad food have ice cream in the week just don't overeat ice cream in the week or uh, it's just interesting how I think fitness industry has a lot uh, has had a big role in developing many of the of the behaviours and probably some of the issues that people have around self um, image and and um, and eating disorders because what is deemed as healthy has actually incorporated very unhealthy approaches to eating. Is that is that fair, do you think, Harriet? Yeah, I, mean, I think the fitness industry, industry definitely played a role. Um, you know, I, th I think it really has. And I guess often, you know, perhaps the people that are teaching and training other people as well have some some of the some issues but you know but perhaps they haven't they're not even really that aware of because it's become so kind of normalized. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think, I think that's a tricky thing, isn't it? Because you know it's quite confusing. You can be kind of really praised and um, put on a pedestal a bit for you know eating or doing certain amount of training, but actually, um, and then I think as well, there's a lot of shame. You know, people feel like behind closed doors things can be very different, but it's very hard to mm -hmm. then bring that out in the open, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think with those, and I've experienced this myself, like a a cheat meal or whatever, or that thing that you were going to treat yourself with that you were looking forward to. You then like you have it, and then you're like, actually, I feel a bit rubbish. Like actually not feeling, not enjoying it so much, and actually feeling worse off afterwards. Which right. probably comes down to what you said about if you were journaling a little bit about some of this stuff. Maybe I need to, I need, I need to start journaling again, Tim. But um, <laughs> that then you would actually you would actually sort of know and be aware of that next time that you want to and actually go, well, what, what things make me actually feel good? I'm actually going to, I normally feel better after I've eaten a yeah. salad. So why don't I actually eat, make myself have a salad and then I'm actually going to feel better. Yeah. So just to recap, so I want to finish off quickly around um, where we have coming from with our mindset around calisthenics. Just some quick take homes for people because we've discussed a lot. So just I'm, I'm going to throw a few in and, and help me out. I've, I've missed a couple, yeah. but if people are thinking about potentially wanting to put a strategy in place to improve their self 
uh, or their self-awareness and their body image or to potentially move away from a potential eating disorder if they, if they feel like they've identified something in themselves. We've obviously, we've talked about journaling, we've talked about habits. Um, is there, if you, just in a nutshell, is there anything that you were sort of given a, a short bit of advice? Yeah, I mean, there's also as well like um, the BEAT website, that's B-E-A-T, if you like Google that, that's like um, the National Association for Eating Disorders. There's like loads of really good like resources there. Um, there's an organization as well called Men Get Eating Disorders Too, um, and that has lots of kind of good resources. So, you know, a first step for people often can just be to do a bit of reading, really, and perhaps see, see you know, be a good step. Yeah, we'll put some links in the show notes yeah. so people can just awesome. click straight on them and, and get into them, yeah. So let's talk calisthenics because what, how we came to, to contact was really... Um, Serendipitous, I think, is the right uh, the opportunity. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> by, by just fortune, by chance. By chance. Get yeah. Get um, so, Harriet, you joined the, our virtual classroom. You've, you've obviously, you've learned a little bit of information about you've been training and you've been in health and fitness for a long time. You've done various different things that you enjoy and like, and you introduced yourself to the community in the virtual classroom, which was amazing. And, and when you came in, was I said to Jacka, "We've someone's come in and she's like a she's working in eating disorders and stuff. We need to get on the podcast." <laughs> um, so it's amazing that you said thank you. But just tell us a bit about. Um, a bit about your journey into calisthenics what attracts you about it and, and do you see any of the sort of stuff that jack and i talk around um linking in with what you do on a professional basis yeah definitely well i think um i mean i've i've always kind of like grew up on a farm and like i've always been like kind of fit and active and like my dad had us like working really hard and you know and always done like lots of walks he used to do quite a lot of running and stuff pre-children um and then i think about four years ago i thought i do really want to like you know live to an old age and like really get a bit more muscle as well um so i started doing a bit sort of crossfit a bit of crossfit sort of bit of boot camps um but i really mm. like the whole fun bit of it really like um i, I like doing handstands i've like do a bit of parkour and things um you know I'm, I'm not great at it but i really enjoy all of that um and ninja warrior as well i kind of like like doing ninja warrior stuff going to ninja warrior gyms and you know all that kind of play kind of stuff um, yeah. <laughs> so and then I think yeah so calisthenics I've always liked the kind of body um body weight workout more than weights and I like being kind of being able to do stuff outside um and I like kind of being able to do stuff with others but also be able to do stuff on my own um so yeah it was kind of I don't know quite it was a bit of a kind of natural progression I guess really um and then I sort of started yeah. kind of found your stuff online and thought oh yeah no, I quite like this and um yeah, and I kind of really want to, like, I really struggle to build, like, like, my lower body's, like, really quite strong, like, I'm good at, like, like, jumping around and doing loads of squats mm. and do loads of burpees and everything, but I really struggle, like, with pull-ups and stuff, so I thought, maybe this is going to really help me, um, so, yeah, yeah. so, like, but the play bit is a big part. And, and how do you see that side of things? Because that's massive for us. And it's one of the things which has definitely given Jack and I some freedom in terms of uh, how we look. Because I might look a certain way, but, okay, you know inside, you can be quite confident. You've got some skills in the locker. Like if somebody ever... Someone somebody, brings a camera out and a photo well, on someone, holiday. Someone once asked me, like, if you were to be a, a superhero, which one would you be? And I'd be like, I'd be like Spider-Man. Because you look at him and you're like, you actually don't look like much. But actually, <laughs> badass. Like, everyone knows a Hulk's strong. Like, you know what you're getting. Spider-Man's a bit deceptive. But anyway, um, that, does that, that play side of stuff and that happiness and finding enjoyment in things, how does that link in with, with what you do from a from mental health perspective? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, it's... It, 
for, for me, it's like really important. Like I suppose, you know, I really want to be fit and active, um, but actually like mental well-being is actually more important to me than anything really. Um, and I guess it really, you know, I wouldn't be a good role model for my clients if I was like posing in front of the mirror and kind of, I don't, do you know what I mean? Like really worrying about changes yeah. in my body because I'm like... <laughs> You're really trying to preach to them about kind of you know body acceptance and and all of that. So I, I suppose I'm quite conscious myself. Like you know, I really want to walk my talk. Um, mm. And I guess as well, you know, to be you know, I've had three children as well. That has changed my body a bit, and I have had to kind of like ex- make you know come to terms with certain things that have changed. You know, but and, and mm. in a way, that's been quite freeing in some respects, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Great. And I think one of the, one of the things that we've I said right at the beginning that we've we've found quite different with our type of training now is that our goals are I mean we might have certain things that you know like like you said everyone's got certain parts of their their body that they don't like mine's my chipped tooth I can't train won't do anything about that <laughs> um, but um, we we've found that with training goals being based on trying to learn a movement there's mm. so much to that in terms of the enjoyment of it the play part all of that but also the fact that it's it isn't based on or the forefront of your mind isn't on how i look um but it's, i think we got, i'm just thinking of a message we got this week where i mean we, get, we often get it where uh, someone's asked me so they were trying it was like what exercise do i need to get i want to get a bigger chest mm. and i said oh well you know blah blah what we like to we think that it's more important what you can do with your body than than how it looks so did and he went yeah yeah i get that totally on board with all that uh, but i just want a bigger chest <laughs> and i was like well obviously then like you you don't get it and i guess for is this for people they've got to I'm just they've got to come to that conclusion themselves or go down their own sort of journey yeah I suppose it's almost like what does what does that really mean to you as well like if you suddenly got a magic wand down had a bigger chest what you know what does that say <laughs> what does it say about you because I suppose it's you know it you all, go shopping for bigger t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> we're all trying to be happier aren't we and feel better about yeah. ourselves but I suppose it's almost trying to think what what is that really about and I mean it, you yes. know is getting a bigger chest really gonna because you know I suppose I've worked with a lot of people that in a way have kind of perfect physiques but they're really miserable you know and it's a bit of a fantasy Mm, isn't it that actually well if I go and I've got a bigger chest you know I'm suddenly going to feel really 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 good um so I suppose it's a bit more you know what 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 is that about you know what is what need is it that you're trying to kind of fill really yeah the answer to that question now when someone asks about that is going to be um why do you want why because that's what what's actually think about what's actually going to make you happy is what is what we're saying and that needs some deeper thought and reflection that's not for that's one to go away and chew over jacko's getting more and more philosophical as he goes up as he uh, people get in touch with this on, on instagram i say i want to do 10 pull-ups how do you do 10 pull-ups and jack goes why 10 why not 11 and they're like i don't know mate. i just want to do 10 pull-ups <laughs> one up seven yeah. i can already do what's, seven what's gonna happen when you can do 10 um Harry, it's true. It's right. We think something magical is going to happen when we can do ten of something, or we think yeah. something magical is going to happen when we've got the big chest, or whatever it is that we that we want. And 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 I totally agree with you, Harry. It's about under, and it just comes back to what Tim said about self awareness that we need to understand ourselves better, and we need to understand what does actually. How many people have actually stopped, took some time out of their busy day, their busy week, their busy life, and stopped and gone? What are actually the things that really make me happy? Not just on the surface level, but really make me happy and dial into those. And it, something that when I do that personally, it makes 
life which seems very complicated and difficult to manage sometimes it, it does if I can do it it does to take that step back it does simplify things because mm. I go actually if these couple of key things are in play I can deal with everything else yeah um and I think sometimes you just have to kind of, it's quite hard, isn't it, to pause sometimes because you're on that treadmill spinning, really. Yeah. And you sometimes have to kind of get out of your environment or do something to make yourself pause almost. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing you mentioned before for me. Like my perception of myself and body image has improved significantly since work and life got so busy that I couldn't train. It, it literally enforced me into a different uh, mindset and I had to become comfortable with what I was able to do because before my, let's call it a gym addiction was pretty real. Like if I didn't train or went for a period of training time without training, I would feel horrendous and my mind was playing tricks on me all the time. Work got crazy and then well, I came out of the other side of that going, do you know what? doesn't matter mm. like it, I was in a much better place thinking that I'm not going to be so obsessive about what I'm eating I'm not going to I'm not going to sacrifice an experience with my wife because I've got to stick on this thing actually she really just wants to share an ice cream it's not about the ice cream mm. it's about us doing something together and I'm constantly going have they got a sugar-free version or something <laughs> like that <laughs> but that's it is that changing situation and I, I learned that the hard way work was mad but um I think doing something to change that that so that you, you actually have to put the brakes on and take some stock and, and pause and reflect a little bit has been one of the most beneficial things I've I've done. Um yeah, and I, I learned it as a result of yeah, enforced rest. But um So Harriet, thank you so much for for taking the time out of your day to come on to to the podcast and share um all of your experience and expertise and just um it, it was nice for, for me in terms of offload some of our own insecurities, but I hope people listening um, were able to take, uh, be able to relate to some of the, the examples and stories we talked about and be able to take um, some positive steps forward. We'll put some links in the show notes to where people can find out a little bit more about you or some of the websites that you mentioned as well if they want to look, look into it and get a little bit more help um, as well. So that leaves nothing else but for us to say thank you very much, Harriet. Until next week. Class dismissed. So thank you so much again for listening. We don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts. So we really do appreciate that. We hope you got a load of value out of it, guys. And we would, if you did, we would love you to do a couple of things for us. One of them is tell other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value. And also, if you want to, pop over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five-star review. We like five stars. Four stars, not as good. Keep it five stars. are the best. Five of your best stars, please. <laughs> and if you would like to find out more about the School of Calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got, head over to our virtual classroom. You can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com. And that is where we have got literally, possibly, the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world. It's definitely the best one we've done. And on that note, until next week, class dismissed. <laughs>